Blog Talk Radio. Welcome our audience today. We're in for another wonderful and informative and inspiring uh, discussion and conversation. So thank you for joining us, whether it's online or via your smartphone dialed in to our number. And also, join us on Twitter. Uh, We are tweeting. Um, Our ID is at techxonetwork. Yes, we've changed it a bit, but we're still the same familiar uh, voices and personalities bringing you information and inviting you to, as always, listen, learn, leverage, and launch. And today's show is part of our continuing series. Throughout this year, we have several tracks or themes that we have, and this week is, and today's show is with authors. And our author extraordinaire that we're featuring today is the very own Kim Carswell. So first of all, I want to uh, welcome Kim to the show. Hello, Kim. Hello, Jacqueline. Thank you. I'm excited about being on the show this afternoon. Absolutely. We are so excited to have you as well. So I'm going to do my best to try to contain it to the one-hour format, but you know when we get to talking and, you know, when when the the knowledge and information and inspiration starts to flow, it's it's hard to stop. But I'm really excited, and and we're going to jump right into it. First of all, I want to let our audiences know that Kim Carswell, like I said, this is our author series, and she is one of the authors of the book called Pink Mastermind. You can go out there on Amazon and you can find it, and you uh, it's also going to, uh, we're going to tweet it so that you can um, locate that, but it's called Pink Mastermind, and we're going to talk more about Pink Mastermind and Pink Power, uh, uh, upcoming conference, but um, and it, the Pink Mastermind the subtitle is Your Pink Print for Success. Instead of your blueprint, the pink print. So that's just a, a little bit, but I'm actually going to rewind and back it up a little bit and ask Kim to kind of, in her own words, kind of give us, tell us about her journey that, you know, through business and operation that led her not only to be an author, but she now owns her own businesses and even um, creating uh, the, the conference that we're going to talk about. But, Kim, share with us your journey and how um, your new company, uh, Persona Affairs, how that all came about. Okay, great. Thanks, Jacqueline. I'd love to talk about how I came to be. <laughs> but actually, um, I started in a varied of careers. Um, I went from corrections to um, academia to um, film and broad and broadcasting. And what I learned at a very young age that there are certain skills that are universal. Every company needs communications. Every company needs operations. And now today, every company needs some form of technology, whether it's social media, well, whether it's um, digital strategy, whether it's apps. To some form of fashion, there's a common thread between different industries. So at a very young age, my mother, she was a adjunct professor at Fordham University in New York, and she had the task years ago, 30-plus years ago, to help her students write a resume. And since mom wanted some assistance with editing, here I came and started 
editing resumes, finding out from an outsider's point of view, how does this person, in this case an adult, are they really persuading me that they know what they're talking about? So throughout the years, I've kept up with resume writing, and whether it was colleagues or just people who said, hey, I'm going for a promotion, or if there was a merger with a new company, the new person would say, hey, everybody give me a resume so I know who I'm talking to and maybe determine whether this person is a good fit. So as a result of that, I decided to major in communications at Georgia State University. So that's a jump from New York to Georgia and minor in sociology um, with a hint of speech. And with that, I continued in academia. I worked in financial aid. I worked in admissions, recruitment. And all of this was about how does the institution brand themselves and also how does an incoming person who's looking to compete for scholarships or even just an acceptance letter, how do they position themselves as someone who's a good fit? As a result of that, I left academia. I worked for a very great um, institution, and they were heavy on branding. Everything was branding from the moment you walked in the door, from the website. Literally, they paint their walls periodically. I would want to say every month because they wanted to make sure the image was fresh and clean, and what you saw on the website is what you got in person. So as a result of that, I started my company. I had started it in 2001, but I said, you know what, I need to go full-time. I need to go ahead and jump out, not just on faith, but on my talents and abilities and everything that I brought to other companies, how do I now bring that to clients? So as a result of that, soon after, and that was 2006, you, we hit the downturn. And it broke my heart of how many people were getting left go and they weren't prepared. Many of them never had a resume or they never looked at their accomplishments. They never took into consideration what they were bringing to their employers. And also from an employer perspective, they didn't know what kind of intellectual property that was leaving them. So as a result of that, I partnered with the Department of Labor and I gave free resume critiques. And it was fantastic. It was at the Georgia World Congress Center. And they, I'll never forget, the Department of Labor had about 30 resume writers. And it was just me and my team in the other part of the, the hall. And next thing you know, we're flooded with people because they're like, oh, my God, you know, she's telling us what we need to know. And it's better. It's not cookie cutter. And as a result of that, that's where my first book, Resume Branding 101, Strategies for Getting Noticed in 10 Seconds or Less was born. I knew that in five minutes or even five seconds, it really wasn't enough to tell someone who didn't know about resumes how to go home and do it themselves. So as a result of that, I started um, the conference, and uh, that was just specifically for women because I partnered with the American Business Women Association, and I just found that there was a common thread with women. They didn't know how to promote themselves, and uh, many of them were experts, but they didn't have a voice. They didn't have a platform to share with other people that they knew, in fact, what they were talking about. So that's a little snapshot of me. Beautiful, and, 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 and so well said. So I, I expect no less because, again, this is this is your specialty. But to be able to kind of summarize and to tell who you are um, and for people to get a, a clear picture. And, and so along that theme, so let's, let's dive into a couple of areas. Because as you mentioned, you know, um, over your experience, you probably have found that in different areas there, there may be some different things and challenges people have. And, you know, with our show, Technology Expresso, and, and our, our love in, uh, of promoting all things STEM, you know, and that's, in fact, uh, I want to let our audience know, is kind of how we connected as well. We met through um, Unite STEM or Unite STEAM um, here in Atlanta, a kind of a collaboration of a lot of different organizations here in the Atlanta area that promote uh, STEAM which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. So sometimes you all hear me say STEAM, but the STEAM plus A, that's including the arts. And, and that's how we met and, and connected. So 
maybe you can start to to go down the path with our audience. What are some of the things that you find are challenging for people who are in the STEAM or STEM area um, that maybe others have as well, but are there extra challenges uh, that you find among the science and the technologists and the engineers? What are your thoughts? Yes, I I find that there's a common thread in in candidates and people who are looking to be promoted or people looking just for a career transition in STEAM, we'll say that, um, because I actually met you because I had a, a, a client that was in STEAM, and I was branding her and her event and really what she does for in the science arena. And what I found just working with Georgia Tech, that's one of my clients, and they bring me in to lecture every fall their human computing um, graduate, excuse me, graduate students on how to brand themselves for some of the top, I would say, 50 countries, excuse me, 50 companies in the world. So the companies know they know how to do the work. They know that if they are connected with Georgia Tech, they know Georgia Tech's brand, but they don't know them as individuals. They don't know whether or not they have soft skills, that they can sit them in front of a client, and that they can um, they can talk to them from a business perspective, but also from what is the hard skills, the technology, what are some of the platforms and programs. And people in STEM, they can talk about that those hard, exact skill set all day long, but it's normally very curt, succinct, but it doesn't give a person who doesn't know them an idea of who they are. It doesn't tell their brand story. So one of the things that I prepare the um, the STEM, or I should say the HCI students, is how do you create how do you create your story in a one minute madness? How do you have a resume or a document that supports that? Is your portfolio consistent. So overall, people have challenges with putting their value, especially candidates that are in the STEAM field. It's, hey, I know how to do programming. I know how to do forecasting. I know how to do a user experience. I know C++ and 50 other platforms. But what does that do for the employer? They have that expectation. So if you're competing with Carnegie Mellon and MIT and UCLA, how do you set yourself apart? It's a given you're smart. It's a given you have these wonderful skills. It's a given that recruiters are falling over you. But if you want to make 90000 that's great. But if your skill says and your accomplishment says you should be making one thirty, then you have a problem. And it's a, pro- a problem that in most cases have been created by the individual because they haven't taken stock of what their true brand value is for the market. No, you're, you're totally right. And, and that's one of the things I think around because the, the, the terminology of branding, people understanding themselves as a brand, um, and, and especially if, like you said, if you're technical, you probably didn't study marketing or public relations um, and probably aren't aware that, you know, every brand has a certain shelf life and you've got to keep renewing it, um, you know, every other, you know, month or so you're seeing where uh, different brands on the grocery shelf, they're changing. Something's new and improved about their formula. They're, they're always keeping it, and what you mentioned about um, I think it was at the college where they painted it so that the image was always fresh. And I think people forget about making sure that your brand and where you stand in the market and against your competition is always updated and, and fresh. And, and maybe you can share your thoughts about that. Yes, it has to be, in my opinion, you want to look at what you're doing and how you're investing in yourself every six months because you never know what type of opportunities will come your way. And when I look at one of the top, say, Coca-Cola, and look at their brand, we know it's it's established. People know what it is. It's 
it's a staple. They see the red and the white. They know the font. They know that Christmas is affiliated with the Santa Claus and the polar bears and all of that. However, it has had several slogans throughout the years. They had over 30 of major slogans throughout the years. So they knew there was something they had to change that will hit the pulse point of buyers. And they knew that, hey, we had to make sure that our formula is exactly the same. And I don't know if you remember when they decided to create the new Coke. That was an uproar because at that point they were looking to compete with Pepsi. They had done market research. And they said, okay, people are they are preferring a sweeter taste, so let's change our formula. And what they didn't realize is that they were diehard Coke, Coca-Cola fans and that were not interested in changing the, the experience that came along with the precise taste. So, yes, they can change the slogan, but to change their formula and the experience, that was a different matter. And as a result of that, they created the classic Coke to say, okay, we made a mistake. We have to honor what our audience is looking for. Same applies to an individual. They're looking for a certain baseline skill set, but they're looking for people who's going to fit into their culture. They're going to look to see who is investing in themselves. What is your professional development? When I worked with a corporation that was going through a merger and the the acquired company was going to, some of the employees were going to take on supervisory capacity. So not only the people who were working there had to compete with their peers, even though they've been working there for decades, they had to say, wow, how do I position not only just the company, brand the company, because this new company knows nothing about it. They probably don't want to know. They're just happy they have their jobs. But I also have to say, how do I set myself apart from the person who's doing the same thing that's sitting alongside me? One of the key factors was professional development. What type of classes were they taking? And this is internal classes as well as external classes. Who was working on their graduate degree? Who were sitting on committees? Who was on an advisory board? Those are all little things that have a big impact when you're looking to brand yourself. So, yes, you're smart. Yes, you know um, science, technology, engineering, art, and math better than I do, but do you know your value? And do you know how to articulate it very succinctly for someone who knows nothing about you? You have to be able to create your own billboard, whether it's on social media or whether it's on the actual document of a resume. Yes, and just recently I tweeted something, uh, you know, that I thought was very interesting and a challenge even to our listeners. It w- and what they said was, could you tweet your elevator speech? You know, and, you know, Twitter, you're limited. I believe it's 140 characters. But could you get right. your message out in a in the span of a Twitter? And so people put examples like that. And that, that's something I'd like to challenge our audience to is as you're listening and you're tweeting with us and we continue after the show, I'd like to see some examples of people tweeting their message and their brand uh, in those 140 characters. And it's back to what you said, being able to talk and whether it's 10 seconds or less. Sometimes you don't even have minutes, but you've got to capture somebody's attention uh, so that they keep listening, you know, to, to hear what else you, you have to say. So 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 valuable and and. and so uh, so important, you know, the, the message that you're sharing. And, and something else that you said that I want to reinforce, you talked about knowing your value and having, you know, interviewed people of being a hiring manager, you know, about knowing your value. One of the things I've thought about is some people come to an interview thinking it's about them. And what, they, what, they, what I sometimes feel is you have to remember it's about the person who's hiring you and about their company. So, and that goes back to your message about value. Make sure you're saying stuff that resonates to them of how you're going to add value and help them and help the company and help the team or, or help the project, whatever the case may be. Make sure you can take your past experiences 
and relate and connect those and, and make that connection with the person who's interviewing you versus people who think that coming to the interview is just, just going on and on about themselves. <laughs> it's, it's very different. But do you find that to be the case, or, or do you have a different perspective on that? I find that to be the case, and I also find that on the, I like to say the flip side, that people are not prepared to interview the employer to see whether or not this is where they want to work and really take stock of what is the culture. Um, Not everyone can work at Google. It's great, but not everyone can work there. And they want to know, again, do you fit in to the culture? Can you represent the brand? So I like to say an interview is determining whether the two people or if you're in a panel, the people in the room have a brand alignment. But most importantly, it's about business. The company is looking to see if you can add value or, most importantly, not cost them money because they have to get you up to speed. One of the things that I saw dealing with people with the downturn is even still now, it's, hey, I want to get in the door. You know, I just want to get my foot in the door. Well, that's not enough. They want to know whether you can hit the ground running. It is expensive to hire people. It is expensive to fire people. It is expensive to have someone who is already well acclimated with your company to take them off their task and train you. That costs money. And what I like to share is that let's look at the, you know, six-figure salary. That's great, but you may be joining a billion-dollar team. How are you going to add value to that team? And that's the lens that you want to look through. You want to tell a little bit of who you are as a business professional. You want to sound personable. You want to be personable. It's not just a smile. It's not only eye contact. They want to see that you have a passion for your work, not just, okay, this is an exchange you know, give me a salary and I'll give you the work. Things are changing. People realize, hey, time is extremely valuable. We're going to spend a lot of time with each other. Or I don't like, I'm one of the people who are from the um, perspective, I don't like to micromanage because I, if I have to manage you, I can't make money. I can't cultivate relationships. And if I can't cultivate relationships, I can't hire more people. So all of these things come into play in the interview. People are looking to see what about you can they cross off and say this person may not be a good fit. So with interviews, they're finding more behavioral interview questions. It's not what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. One of my favorite questions is what is your pet peeve? And it trips up a lot of people. Why? Because they go straight for the negative. Oh, I can't stand when people stand by my desk. Oh, okay. You're not going to fit in the col- in, into the culture. So you want to be able to have the employer's mind in, in mind in the interview, even with the resume. When we brand resumes, it's from an employer's perspective. It is built to answer fundamental questions, and that's why we call in the first step in the resume branding process, the resume is the first interview. So you want to speak that, yes, I have a personality, whatever it is. But I also want to say straight from the top, I am the most, the, the the top. I should be considered the top candidate. I am a good fit. Yes, I am gearing my document for your company. That's one of the biggest mistakes. People have a tendency to use that spaghetti on the wall. Oh, I'll just throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Employers can see that. They can see a bland resume. They can see that hey, this can go to my competitor, this person hasn't taken the time to do market research, and one of the best ways to do it is to be on LinkedIn. That is a fantastic tool to brand yourself, to create a slogan um, for like Coca-Cola, like people who know their value and you're broadcasting it to the world that this is who I am. But in the interview, you want to round that about, like, how can I – share with this employer 
that I am going to bring value and also that I am going to expect a salary commensurate to the value that I'm going to bring to the table. Absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. I just want to remind our audience that we are talking with Kim Carswell, uh, and her company is Persona Affairs, and she is giving us advice on resume and branding, and we're going to talk further about the the whole Mastermind uh, conference known as the Pink Power Conference. But those who are listening, feel free if if you're dialed in, uh, if you have a question for Kim, uh, we would welcome you and be happy to open your line. Our number is 714-888-7506, and just press 1, and that will let us know that you're in the queue and you have a question. And also, you can uh, tweet along with us and look for we're sending Twitter messages out through our TechXO network uh, handle. And you'll also see that we're retweeting as well. Kim handles as well. So you can connect with her, too, and follow her, keep up with her, and direct message her if you have a question or a need for her services. But let's continue as we talk with, with Kim and the uh, one of the authors of the, the Pink Mastermind. But, but, Kim, one of my next questions, one of the things I like that you pointed out, too, because I've experienced this, like I said, as a hiring manager, where you ask a question and people go on the negative. And one of the things that I I point out is, again, I'm trying to, as the hiring manager, understand how that's going to apply in if I hire you and you're on my team. And what goes through my mind is if you have to give negative or or bad information uh, to uh, people, like you had to to break it to them that we weren't going to make a deadline or they weren't going to get a particular feature in the, the current release, um, you know, how would you handle that? And when you're speaking to me and, and you go on the negative, as you said, um, I'm listening, how do you package that? And so that's what people have to, to learn is if you're talking to me like this and being very, very blunt and um, not really packaging the, the message so that it has a, uh, a, a smooth spin to it, so to speak, then I worry that if I got you with a client, whether it's an internal client or whether it's just a, another a team within the organization, you know, I'm thinking this person can't deliver bad news. And that's, that goes back to soft skills again. Or if you had to negotiate with someone, do you know, you know, those types of things is, is so important about the soft skill. Back to what you said about no matter what role you're in, communications, plays some form or fashion. Do, do you find that there's a trend with some of the, the, the people in STEM that they've neglected that side of their, their communications? Yes, it's a huge trend. And I've been, as I mentioned earlier, working with tech um, for the past four and a half years. And so I sit on the advisory board with Bloomberg and Google and IBM and CDC and on and on and on. The reason why I mention that is because I get an opportunity to hear exactly what they're looking for, and it's soft skills every single year. And that's my role, to say, help the, the um, graduate students understand that when, when Bloomberg is in a meeting with a client and they say what their needs are, they want to go next door and get an, off, uh, get an office work on what that client needs, and for you to be able to go back within two hours and say, hey, is this what you were looking for? This is what we've created for you. This is how we think that it will save you money based on your budget. And basically tell the story that we've heard you. We know you're a business. We're in business as well, but we want we want to make sure that you understand we can articulate your vision that we can articulate what your needs are. And that's been a challenge. You have a lot of companies that it's mostly consultations. They want to know, can we put you in front of a client and not embarrass the company, not embarrass our, you know, yourself, not make us lose clients, not make us lose faith. Understand that it's a business, that, yes, I want my my clients understand that, yes, you are a business, and you need to know how to handle it accordingly. 
so that when you go into transactions from an image perspective, then you not look the part, you know the part. There's a difference between business casual and business chic. You want to be on the business chic side if that's not a company that wears suits, which is fine, but you want to look polished at all times. Online, you want to look polished at all times. But that that is having the business in mind and knowing how to articulate communication, communication, communication. And that's where social media comes to play. When they look online, they want to see how are you communicating? Are you communicating? Is there a picture with you having a beer in your hand all the time? Well, I have small children. In my home, we call it an adult beverage. You're entitled. You, you're you supposed to have what you need to take the edge off. But as an outsider looking in, does it look like you may have a drinking problem? Or as a company, I may be a board member of Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. So now there's a problem here because you're not taking consideration that what you put out in a digital space stays there. And they want to determine how are you communicating, again, your value, what you value, whether it's in your spare time, your personal time. Yes, it is personal until you put it out on the digital space. Then it becomes public. So, yes, uh, communication is key, whether it's digital or face-to-face. Very, very valuable uh, advice there. And, and, and let me ask you, uh, I, I want to also take uh, go in a direction yeah, because a lot of our listeners also, some of them work in corporate America. They're looking at, like you said, uh, as we've been talking about, you know, moving up the corporate ladder, looking for their next career opportunity. But there's a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Is there a difference uh, difference in when it comes to branding? You know, uh, if, if you're in corporate America, you know, the resume is kind of your, your billboard and, and the thing that gets you uh, in the door. But when branding comes to, if you're an entrepreneur, especially we have a lot, whether they're transitioning um, and and now they're going to have to change their brand from what they've always, you know, the tactics they use uh, working in corporate America, now to whether it's branding a product or a new business or services or um, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of people, too, starting up organizations uh, that help people, other people in STEM, in the, the STEM space. So what what what's the, do you see some differences or have some advice for people that are it's not from a corporate slant but now from as an entrepreneur? Yes, from an entrepreneur it is you have a couple of phases and we all go through them to some degree when you're transitioning from an employee to someone who owns a business. Um one of my favorite books is called E-Myth: Why Most Small Businesses Fail and what to do about it. Because when you start a business, you're going to be wearing several hats. So, yes, you may know how to create the product, and you may even know how to market it word of mouth. Let me tell you what I do and you know, get in, in contact with me. Business cards, people know that's what you need. But the nuances of just a business card, many people fail. They fail at... Um, the quality of business card, they fail at not changing their business cards when they have a new number, that is a huge problem when you're meeting somebody for the first time and you say, oh, you know what, let me give you my new number. Well, that means you haven't invested in your company to pay $20, $30, $50 to get polished business cards. Something as simple as a Gmail account. I have a Gmail account, but it's not on my external material because everyone knows Gmail is free. Your products and services are not free. So you should have a branded.com website and email address. That is just standard. Um, For years, I haven't been a fan of Vistaprint. Because, yes, you have a business card, and, yes, it will allow you to pick the color 
and put your information in. And the quality in regards to the thickness of the of the business card is nice. However, I cannot tell you how many times that I've been at an event or if it's a networking event and I've got the same exact card from people from totally different industries. And when I tell you that is a brand <laughs> crasher, it's being extremely mild. So what you want to be able to do is define who you are as a business. Take the time. And it doesn't have to be extremely expensive, but you want to take the time. What is the image that is going to demonstrate what I do? How am I going to put my personality into the actual design of my business cards, whether it's the font that you use or the color that you use? Color is very important. The colors you choose there's a relationship in the business world that says certain colors mean you're you're flighty and other colors mean that you're you're consistent and you're trustworthy and you're you're edgy one of the things you look at a digital and and not I don't want to say brick and mortar but established companies they have a tendency to lean toward the blues because it means trust you look at facebook you look at twitter um, Foursquare, you look at HP, IBM, they have some shades of blue. There's a reason why that, and there's a reason why they are staying in business. So you want to look at the colors. You also want to take into consideration what does your website look like. You need a website. That is key. Um, you have free websites. I think it's wix.com. Great, easy to Use, but guess what? If I see the logo at the bottom, I said you haven't invested in your website because it was free. They give you options, very minimal options to remove that because basically you're marketing for them and you're not marketing for yourself. And going back to the Wix, I love their their design. It's fantastic, but you got to get behind that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a website and I've clicked on the social media icons and it goes back to Wix because the person didn't know or didn't hire a professional that would say put would put their social media handles on um, connected with the website that they have. So these are some of the the overt um, ways that entrepreneurs are broadcasting that they are not ready. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have the Pink Mastermind because we're bringing people in who have worked with Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses that says these are some of the fundamental things, not from a branding perspective, but from an operational understanding you need to have um, – profit and loss statements. You have to have a growth plan. You need to know what your target market is. We have someone coming in from the U.S. Census Bureau. Free market research, free ways to get the demographics. So you're not just, again, the spaghetti on the wall. I have a great idea, but are you a business person? Have you connected with someone who's a business person? And most importantly, are they proven do they have success that you can see, that you can validate? It's a very, very important. But, you know, it's good unless there's someone you know and you've had a relationship with for years. Be mindful of that. But you want to make sure from a business, even from pricing. Pricing is normally a, a huge problem for people who are transitioning from working for someone else and working as a business. Pricing. Sometimes they're pricing themselves as, hey, you know, I'm going to look at what I made as a salary and I'll add a little bit more. Well, if you're working for a company that has 500 people, there's they. how are they making a profit and being able to pay 500 people and also sell the prices, sell the products at a certain price point? That's some of the, the pitfalls that I've seen with with career people transitioning into entrepreneurship. It's fixable, but it's a matter of getting someone who knows, who's walked the walk, and actually that's their area of expertise. You don't want that um, broad spectrum. You want someone who's an expert, not someone who can just sell you anything. 
Um, you want them to really know what they're talking about, have case studies, have um, companies that have been successful. Can you call them and determine that's what they've done for them? So there are things that you want to be able to have in consideration when you're transitioning, especially if you're working for a company and things are going well. Take the time to invest in professional development. There's so many opportunities out there for people to invest in themselves so that when it's time for the outside world to invest in their company, they have a very very solid foundation. There aren't any cracks in it. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know, um, just so much, so much good advice there um, uh, along the lines. Because a lot of the small businesses, you know, a lot of people, uh, you mentioned, want to jump out on faith, but there's a lot of homework, and there is um, a lot of work that goes into it. Because you know, you're a one man show, and um, at the same time, though, is recognizing when you do need to call in the experts. <laughs> um, there there right. are people that can can help you. I love it. We had a show the, just this past Thursday, and uh, our our guest talked about that you have to make sure that you have that coachability, <laughs> that you're willing right. to to listen, and 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 so maybe you maybe you can can talk about that. Talk about maybe some of your customers, some of um, some of the people that, that you've helped, how some of the things that from Persona Affairs, some of the things that you do to help people um, and, and maybe even some of your success stories. Okay. Um, well, we have a, ooh, let's see, let's look for one in STEM. Well, recently one of my clients has been um, Biolog Program, and it's a fantastic program that um, helps Youth as well as adults, it it goes in, it has curriculum development for the sciences, real science, hands-on um, exploration, and some of their clients are as young as five years old to people in academia. And how did, can they use college-level science, forensic science, um, epidemiology? human anatomy and physiology. I'm not a science person, so I know this because I've built a relationship through the branding process that this is what this person brings to the table. Well, we looked at logo. What is your logo? What are the colors of your logo? It's blue and green. You know, it, it supports the message that is out there, very clean, very crisp, because my client has a a, a very rich vocabulary, but she makes it where people understand it, layman's terms. I was able to understand it. I was not strong in science. I ran away from science. In college, when I knew I had biology, I said, you know what, give me the rocks. I don't want to cut a pig. I'm not interested in that. But one of the things that she does is she makes it very simple for someone as young as five years old to get the concepts to form a foundation so that when it's time for them to consider a STEM or a STEAM field, they're comfortable. It's not a foreign concept. So what we looked at as the imagery, the operations, having an event, to have the certain type of partners that are aligned with their mission, we looked at that. We looked at, you know, how do you spread the word? And this was a, uh, an event. They had something called STEM Adventures and the first STEM Fair for girls. It was a research-based STEM fair. It was the first one ever given. And what it did was it extended her brand across, I think she had people reach out to her as far as Iran for some of the images that she had resulting from her event. Well, yes, it's great. It's, It's international, but it's also a country that doesn't overtly support women in science, but the science that was shown was so powerful of seeing brown children in this case get the get the concepts. You can see it in their faces. That form continues to form her brand in a very good way. People as far as California, she had products from Israel and Japan. All of this says that yes, this is a universal topic in regards to science, but there's a way that I'm establishing my brand so that people get it. 
And so people are asking her for her curriculum development. They're asking her to talk on radio shows. They're asking her to do certain things in the STEM arena because we know that's where this country is going. That's where the jobs are. You know, most of your audience probably doesn't have a problem finding a job. It's just a matter of it's a good fit and if they're going to be making the most money. Because with Persona Affairs, that is our goal. One of my favorite quotes is from Jim Rowan is that you don't get paid for the hour. You get paid for the value you bring for to the hour. So that's why I can charge a certain amount for my consultation fees. And that's why I can guide my clients say, you know what, based on where you're at and based on what you want to offer, this is something that you want to look at a range for your clientele. I've had clients who have made it to the White House based on the branding that they've done. They've written for the Huffington Post. They've gotten clients with um, the NBA. They, again, I have a client that's worked with 10,000 small business Goldman Sachs. So it really is a range because we look at the patterns of individual, your patterns of purpose. And what that means is people have a tendency to say, you know, I'm passionate about it. This is my passion. Well, it's my perspective that your passion is for you, but your purpose is for others. How are you going to reach more people, especially from a business perspective? You're providing a service. There's a need, and you're providing it. That should be your purpose. It's so much easier to brand because if you're only focusing on your passion, then, yes, that, that's marketing. But branding is about consistency, and it's about the promise that when they look at you, they're going to get a consistent experience that they can count on. Just like Coca-Cola, when you crack open the can, you know you're going to have that that flavor, that experience, that buzz. And I, you know, ironically, I'm a Pepsi lover. <laughs> but I use that analogy because it's easier for people to just see that, yes, when I am in business, I want to have a certain level of consistency. And that's what we look at from the identity. And that's normally where people start. Oh, I'm going to do the logo first. Okay, but what are your products and services first? What is your message? What is your story? How can you support that you know what you're talking about? Taking pictures is great, but you want to have a body of work that a potential client can see, a portfolio of work that people can see. So we've been very successful with um, clients. Um, We even have, um, you know, we've had contacts from the OWN Network for some of the things that we've done as Persona Affairs. Um, So there's a strategy that needs to be adhered to, and it has to be based on your level of expertise, your personality, and most importantly, what is your vision? I look at a lot of small businesses, and they say, okay, yes, I want a successful business. What does success mean for you? Do you want to be a multi-million-dollar company? I mentioned earlier. I just came. Um, I just came from a business conference, and one of the people that I connect with, when I first met her, she was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars away from making her first million. She's at a million point five within a two-year span. You want to know is that your goal? And you have to have when you're looking at branding, you want to have that goal in mind from the beginning. Does this look like a million-dollar business? Are my price points built for me to have a million dollars by X, Y, and Z? Um, Can people help me with my word-of-mouth marketing? That's a way where I've talked with someone about this because they were transitioning through their branding, but they didn't let their network know. So when they were introduced to me, it was, I can't say this person would be a good fit, but it's because they had multiple layers and different digital strategies out there, and it wasn't cohesive. So this person almost missed out on a valuable experience because there wasn't a cohesion, or like what we say, a brand harmonization. So I know I'm throwing a lot of terms out there, but it's just a way to give a snapshot of some of the things that people need. It's best for them to be mindful of 
when they're creating their brand, looking to expand their brand, whether it's for a career or a business, there has to be a level of consistency um, built in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, some of these terms, all of these are to kind of enlighten people and, and to have them kind of expand their thinking because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people who are passionate, have great ideas, super creative, and then they get stuck and they can't get past, you know, the, the idea and the frustration and, and, and just feeling and knowing that they're missing out but they don't know what that that next step is. And I dare say that people and callers and those listening to the show, having an opportunity to hear you speak, um, I would say you need to get in contact with Persona Affairs. If anything that we've described, any anything that uh, we're saying here resonates with you, that you're, you're stuck, you can't get where you want to be, you you have a vision, you 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 value yourself, but you just don't feel like others see the value. Sometimes it's your packaging. Um, and just having um, uh, someone that is from the outside looking in, and, and something so powerful you said, Kim, you were able to look at Biolog, which um, we, as a lot of you know, we were at their event here in Atlanta, the uh, girls' uh, science fair. Um, the, the whole day of events, we had a blast covering it, and everyone thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, just a lot of energy that that day, and um, you know, not even knowing that space specifically, but you know branding. You clearly, based on based on what you said today, you know branding, and and you know how to help people um, pass some of those those roadblocks that they might have, and just not even aware of someone just to kind of do an assessment for you and to give you your feedback. So. Um, if people would open their mind and, and give it an opportunity, I dare say they, they would get a lot out of the experience, I believe, and it well worth the, the, the investment, I would say, into making sure that their brand is on the right track. Um, and, and along those lines, and, and I dare say, Kim, our hour is almost up. Our time flies okay. when you're, you're sharing good information. <laughs> it, it's hard to believe if I wasn't looking at the clock. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to share with people that they have another opportunity to connect and to learn and to grow, and that's through the Pink Power Conference. So would you share with our audience a, a very special and very specific program that you have for, for women and um, just just share with them and, and how they can connect and, and uh, engage. Great, yes. Pink Power Mastermind Conference is a conference that's geared for women, and it was birthed from my experience with the American Business Women Association, and I helped them with getting speakers and, and from a career and from a business side. So I came up with the idea with the Mastermind Conference because I needed a place where women can get content content in a very succinct way. Many of you um, are, are familiar with TEDx and TED Talks. So we'll have TED, what we call pink talks because after 20 minutes, people start to zone out. Um, that's just reality. That's just the science of it. So the better part of the day, and that's the morning session, we have women that are going to speak to other women. When men are invited. But we know about the equal pay for equal work. We know that women are making 77 cents per dollar, and people, women of color, are making close to 68 cents per dollar um, compared to men. So we wanted to make sure that women were going to speak to other women. When I looked at other events that were, you look at the Zig Ziglar's, the Les Browns, I know Zig Ziglar is no longer with us, the Tony Robbins, those are male-dominated. So I said, let me create an event where women can have a voice and they can hear from other women hard facts and how they can take their careers to the next level, as well as business women. How do they take their businesses to the next level? And we do have a STEM panel that we have four women. One is a, a developer, a software engineer. One is a civil engineer. One is a scientist. And another one has a women's group that um, 
speaks to, helps mentor them, go to a place that says, hey, I'm having this issue at work. How do I help it? Help, how do I help myself get through it? And what are some of the skills and technology? So it's built for multi-generation women, few men, because the information is good. The information is not gender-specific. It's really great in the morning. And then we have the mastermind session in the afternoon. And we have two big mastermind sessions that will one track is the career track because career women need to talk to each other and find out how do I find a mentor? How do I be a mentor? How do I get on an advisory board? How do I get promoted? And then there's the business track, and that's for new businesses, startup businesses, and we classify startup businesses as a business that has not generated $100,000 or more. So you can be in business 10 years. If you haven't generated $100,000, you're still considered a startup. So in those two sessions, it's two and a half hours each, that you will walk away with content that you've heard early in the morning and you'll start applying it that afternoon. So you walk out of there with a plan and you can start the Friday. It's August 14th, 2015. It's at Phillips Arena. It's the only Pink Power event that's at Phillips Arena. And you will walk away with a growth plan on how to take your career and or business to the next level. So you'd have to choose whether you're one of the ones in the middle that I'm still working and I you know, want to start a business or I have a business, which one needs the most help on that day. That's the track that you choose. Then what will happen, since we've partnered with the Atlanta Dream and Microsoft, but most importantly the Atlanta Dream, in the evening, 7 o'clock, we'll reconvene. We have club-level seats that are for the Pink Power Mastermind Conference ticket holders. Then um, we'll have a restaurant designated for continuing networking. And all while we talk about the content and the mastermind sessions, we have a business expo, and it's geared toward professional development. We we love Bags, shoes, retail, it's fantastic, but is that going to take your business or career to the next level? Probably not. So we have the U.S. Census Bureau, the Equal Opportunity um, Commission is going to be there. We have life coaches. We have uh, professional coaches. We'll have the Pink Print for Success, and that's the book that we created from the first year from six authors, including myself that talked about um, their area of expertise on how to mastermind, how to be self-aware, and ultimately how to brand yourself. So that book will be available, and it will be available based on the ticket price that we have. Um, we have three ticket prices for the conference, but they can, um, anyone can go to pinkpowerconference.com and learn more information about that. Awesome. It sounds like a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity um, on all fronts. And so really want to encourage people, pinkpowerconference.com, August 14th here in Atlanta. You have plenty of time to plan and uh, and be there. And, again, as I said, um, you know, we our mic is open to you, Kim, whenever you have the opportunity. I know you're a busy woman just uh, fresh uh, off the plane uh, back here in Atlanta today. Uh, and, and thank you so much um, for your time, for your talent, um, and everything that you do um, for so many. So it's been a, a pleasure talking with you, and it's just been exhilarating the opportunity, you know, that just to meet you and to get to know you in this short period of time. And I want to, again, shout out thanks to Unite uh, STEM uh, Atlanta uh, collaboration and and uh, set up by Derek Brown. So um, great opportunity and can look looking forward to continuing to work with you. Thank you, Jacqueline. It was a pleasure, and I'll be welcome. I would enjoy to come back anytime.
Absolutely. Well, with that, I want to thank you and thank our audience. Also, thank you to Dawn and David for, for helping out uh, in the background. This is a, a group effort in order for us to pull off these uh, shows, and uh, we uh, appreciate um, everyone and all of our loyal listeners. And stay tuned. We have a, another uh, upcoming series with Derek Brown on critical thinking this week, so stay tuned, stay in touch. And uh, with that, I'll let uh, uh, our ending mantra take us out. Thank you, and have a great week. You've been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com for a full list of broadcast archives, social media handles, and upcoming shows. Keep up with Technology Expresso while on the go by texting the word LAUNCH to 41411. That's texting the word LAUNCH to 41411. Thanks again, everyone, and remember, listen, learn, leverage, launch.